Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. I want to let you know that I have been super prayerful about what word I wanted to bring tonight. As prayerful as you can be on 48 hours notice. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes, guys. I love it. I love it. Um, but I really don't like preaching for the sake of preaching. You know, you know what I mean? Because I feel like if it's just about filling a preaching slot, it can become a performance. And there's nothing more um, distasteful for me when it comes to preaching the Word of God. It, if it's not prophetic, I'm not interested. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't say that pres- presumptuously, but it matters to me. It matters to me. And so that's why it, I have had the best day, Pastor Daz. Um, not a restful day because I just want, I had an amazing lunch, by the way. I just, I partially want to move here just for the food outlets. But um, no, the ribs, amazing. I'm still thinking about it right now. It's distracting me. Ooh, a butterfly. Um, ooh, ribs. Um, but what was I saying with the butterfly? Yeah, ribs. No, don't say ribs. Um, no, I, I have been preparing the Word of God because I, I, I don't want to just, just want to fill a preaching slot. I would just so pray that the Holy Spirit would bring a prophetic word for us tonight. And so I pray that He would. It's not my job. It's His job. <laughs> like, I don't make the word prophetic. He does. Okay, so I reckon that before we jump into the word tonight, we should pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to do what is His job to do. Is that okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Holy Spirit, God. What would we do without Him? The person of the Holy Spirit is in here tonight, Lord, and we ask together as a gathering, as the corporate church, as the local church, that you would come, Lord, and that you would speak, God, that you would prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God, and that you would give us a message for tonight, and that that message would do what we cannot do, that it would manufacture things in us that we can't manufacture ourselves, and that it would not keep us where we are, but at the end of tonight, that we would move from where we are, that we would progress, that we would shift. Lord, and we ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Beautiful. I, I'm so excited that you've got overflow tonight, actually, because I decided to teach through the topic of hearing the voice of God tonight. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I didn't sort of select that randomly. I, I think we can agree in here that wherever you sit politically or denominationally, or whatever your doctrine is in here tonight, that as a nation, I believe the winds are changing. Yeah, yeah. As We are entering unfamiliar terrain as the church of Jesus Christ in this nation. We're not 100% sure at the moment what our religious freedoms are. Okay, that's reality. We're not 100% sure what the local church is going to look like in five years, ten years. And, of course, your senior pastors know all about that. It's why they do the Blank Canvas event, right? We are, stuff is changing, okay, across the landscape of our nation, socially, culturally, politically. And so it's my belief, okay, that being said, that it has never been more critical and important in the nation of Australia for the believers of God to be hearing His voice, Never been more important for Christians to be tuning in to the voice and the will of God. Is that okay? Because God has a dream. He has a strategy, okay? He has his 
always makes a way. Right? He's not surprised by any of the things that are happening across our nation right now, good or bad. It doesn't surprise him. All he needs is the church or the believers to tune in and be a part of what he wants to do. Yeah, is that cool? So if you agree with me, just let me know. Just let me know. Just say, yes, Nikki. <laughs> love it. Love you. Okay, so interestingly, the voice of God um, can be an ambiguous topic, right? It can, sort for, for many believers, you know, it can feel somewhat unattainable or indefinable a little bit. You know, it can be a bit of gray matter in Scripture. And, you, yeah, especially for the extra, you know, the Pentecostals. <laughs> like, you know, we think in order to hear the voice of God or be prophetic, we have to be special people on a pulpit or with microphones. There's this sort of, sometimes this casual perspective floats around the church, you know what I mean? Like if I don't have a shofar and anointing oil and wave flags in church, then I am not prophetic, right? You know, by the way, I'm a flag lover. I can say that because I'm from Byron and there's many a flag waver in my, you know, my region. So no judgment on the flag wavers, although I haven't seen any in this church. You don't, you, <laughs> you don't do the flags, do you? <laughs> no, no interpretive dance? No, no, to give a prophetic word, you don't dance it up? Okay, sorry, she's giving me this. I will stop right there. But, <laughs> but I believe that if you're a Christian, you have the natural capacity to be prophetic. You have the natural capacity to hear God. Because when we are born again, what happens is we are born with a brand new set of spiritual ears. Or rather, they are awakened, right? That spiritual sense to hear God is awakened. And it's just the same as when a newborn baby is born with a biological set of ears. It's just a baby is designed to hear, right? And, and as he or she grows and develops, they are going to learn how to interpret what they are hearing. But right from birth, that baby can hear. Okay, and so you've got to know tonight that you, right from salvation, you can hear God's voice. It's actually how you got saved. You heard God and you got saved, right? And so he wants to speak to you tonight, every day, specifically, personally, uniquely and intentionally, okay? Okay, do we believe that? Maybe some of us do and some of us don't, but hopefully by the end of tonight, you will say, yes, I believe that. So rather than... Seeing, hearing God's voice as an achievement to attain or, you know, a destination to arrive at. You know, like, I can hear God's voice now. I'm prophetic. You know, call me Prophet Nikki. Address me as Prophet Nikki every time you see me because I heard God's voice. Rather than seeing it that way, I want us to see it as more like a radio channel to tune into, that we constantly have to tune into. Is that all right? Because it just depends, God is always speaking, it just depends whether or not we are willing to tune in. Because sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. So if you're struggling in that area tonight, or it feels a little bit ambiguous to you, I want to encourage you. It doesn't mean you're not prophetic. It doesn't mean you're not gifted. It doesn't mean there's no signal, right, that you got to tune into. Um, like, you know, I've got it and you don't, or anything like that. It doesn't work that way. It just means that for whatever reason, you might have tuned out tonight and all you got to do is get intentional about tuning back in. And I'm going to show us why that is important, or I hope to do that if you would allow me. The reason we need to do this, the reason this is crucial for us as the church is how you hear determines how you walk. 
And this is, this is not a new thing. This is an Old Testament principle that, is, that continues today. Even when they ordained priests in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would slaughter an animal. Sorry for the vegans. Sorry, this isn't Byron. <laughs> Always vegans in the house. I have to be careful about Leviticus when I'm preaching in Byron. But they would slaughter an, <laughs> slaughter an animal. They would take the blood of that animal and they would put it on the priest's earlobe, right earlobe, to symbolize that their hearing is sanctified to God. Their hearing is set apart to God. And then what they would do is they would get that blood, put it on their right thumb and their right toe to symbolize that what they would hear would determine how they serve and how they walk. So it is a scriptural principle that how you hear is going to determine how you walk out this faith. So it's super important that we as believers hear God's voice. Yes. Yes, it is. But, and the amazing thing is God is always speaking. He's always communicating, okay? He's the best communicator in the world. He's even better than Jason Mendez, I promise you. But historically, he's not going to hear that. It's fine. Historically and scripturally, God's people are not always tuned in, all right? So this is where we have the issue. The issue isn't in whether or not God's speaking. And so we, we see in the Bible, people are starting off hearing God's voice, and it shows us, oh, Eventually, they'll hear God's voice, but then the reception drops out. There's some of these characters in the Bible, and we're going to look at one tonight. But they will start off hearing God's voice. The reception drops out, and it shows us that no one, regardless of their title or their position or their status, is immune to tuning out of the voice of God. Are you with me? Okay, so your title or your role or what you do doesn't determine whether or not you can hear God's voice. And that should give us a weird form of encouragement tonight because essentially it puts us all in the same boat. I don't hear God more than you, right? My capacity to hear God isn't different from your capacity to hear from God. Does that make sense? Whether you're a leader or not. So tonight, I actually want to go right back to the very first king of Israel, which is King Saul. And I know some of you just stiffened up a little bit because uh, Saul is a bit infamous in Scripture for being a bit ragey. A little bit murderous and jealous, insecure. Yes, <laughs> poor guy. He's actually what we call the foil of David, which, which basically means his whole life and narrative in Scripture is just a juxtaposition next to David to highlight how good King David is. So sucks to be Saul. But in the middle of villainizing him and pretending we don't relate to his jealousy or insecurity whatsoever, um, we can forget that King Saul actually began his ministry and his calling totally tuned into the voice of God, totally in the will of God. We forget that. So the question we've got to ask tonight is what happened to Saul? How did he, because we know he did not end his race well. Yeah, we know it didn't work out so great in the end. What happened? How did he start so well, but he didn't finish well? And so, and we see this in the kingdom happen all the time. We see people like mega pastors or people in the kingdom hearing God's voice and they start really well. And then we see people fall and they backslide and we think, what happened to that person? They were in the will of God. What happened? And I believe we have an answer in scripture here tonight. So if you will go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. If you have your Bibles, you can open them or look to the screens. So Saul's ministry, his calling starts with God's voice. It actually begins with Samuel. Samuel is a prophet and a priest, if you remember him. Now, the prophets at this time in history 
are the voice of God to the nation of Israel. You understand? They are the voice of God for a nation who couldn't hear him for themselves. So what has happened right here is Saul the prophet has just anointed, um, sorry, not Saul the prophet, Samuel the prophet, that was um, heretical, um, <laughs> has just anointed Saul as the very first king of Israel. And it says this, as Saul turned and started to leave, he's just been anointed, he's just got his new calling as king, God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. And then the Spirit of God came upon Saul and he began to prophesy. So King Saul begins his ministry tuned into God's voice. The Spirit is on him. You understand? He's prophesying. So not only is he hearing God's voice, he's actually speaking God's voice, right? How you hear is going to define how you speak. Amen? It usually happens. Once you can hear the voice of God, you can speak the voice of God. In the Gospels, we see the deaf are usually always simultaneously mute. If you can't hear, it's really difficult to speak. Whenever Jesus heals them, their tongue is unlocked and immediately they use it to praise God. Whenever he heals them of deafness, incredible miracles in the Gospels. So under Saul's leadership, Israel gets amazing blessing. They achieve amazing military success and all these things. It's all going well for Saul and Israel. But somewhere along the line, Saul tunes out. And we don't exactly know how he got to this place, but I'll give you a clue. Usually our reception gets bad when we move too far away from where the signal is coming from, right? In other words, you need to be near God to hear God. That's what I'm trying to say here. And there's this particular circumstance in 1 Samuel chapter 13, just three chapters later from being anointed and, and prophesying this, this interesting thing happens. And if we can get it up on the screens, I'll read it in a second. But Saul and his army prepare to attack the Philistines. But he and his soldiers sort of get in a tight spot. And the Philistine army are like way bigger than they expected. They're like, okay, we weren't expecting this. It sort of catches them by surprise. And Saul is suddenly put in this challenging unfamiliar landscape, okay? He enters new territory, a new challenge, a new situation, and he's already been told, Scripture tells us, that he has to wait for Samuel the prophet to come. Are you still with me? Beautiful. Who, and what Samuel the prophet is going to do is burn a sacrifice to assure them of God's blessing and direction, because that's what he was there to do. But what happens in the process is that Saul gets impatient waiting for Samuel. The voice of God in Samuel the prophet is on its way, but Saul gets impatient in the waiting. His soldiers freak out and start leaving him. And so what Saul does is the unthinkable. Let me read it to you. He, Saul, waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel failed to show up at Gilgal, and the soldiers were slipping away right and left. Next verse. Thank you, guys. So Saul took charge. It's never a good thing. Okay, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. He went ahead, no Saul, and sacrificed the burnt offering. No sooner had he done it than Samuel, the voice of God, showed up. Saul greeted him. Samuel is super mad, <laughs> super mad. Okay, Moses is rolling in his grave right now. You know the guy who wrote Leviticus? You you can't just burn sacrifices in the Old Testament. You can't do that. It was literally why the priesthood existed. You can't just you can't just presume upon God like that. 
okay? It's just, yeah, you can't do that, Saul, okay? Everybody's upset with you, all right? <laughs> Actually, what he has done here is utter blasphemy and the height of disobedience. It's a big deal, okay? But do you see what has happened? Saul has entered this new terrain and this new territory and this sort of unexpected change, all right? And rather than waiting on the voice of God to get a readout, to get a strategy and direction, he reacts to the situation. Yeah, he takes matters into his own hands and what he does is try and force God's blessing. Yeah, don't pretend you haven't tried to do that, okay? (laughs) Yes, we can all, now we're really relating to Saul, right? Okay, and the author of the text here doesn't tell us why Saul did this, but I'm going to take an educated guess and, and say fear would have had a lot to do with it, right? Maybe peer pressure from his soldiers, because Scripture tells us that they're slipping away. It was probably arrogance and pride, because Saul is sort of renowned for that, and it doesn't look good to lose numbers, right? Okay, <laughs> the soldiers are like, bye-bye. When we face challenging and unfamiliar terrain in our lives, If we don't intentionally tune into the voice of God, we will inevitably react to the situation. Do you agree with that? There is is no scenario or circumstance that God is not willing to speak into. I want you to remember that the signal is always there. The voice of God is always on its way, but we mustn't react and try and force God's blessing in our lives. We've got to tune in for the strategy, yes? Yes, So as I said, Samuel's super mad when he finds out and he arrives. And so what he does then is prophesies to Saul that the kingdom of God's going to be taken away from him uh, because of his disobedience, which is amazing to me because Saul had the skills. He had the looks, Scripture tells us. He had the strength. He had the status. But Samuel has just highlighted to us what is a priority of God when it comes to using people in his kingdom. It's all about obedience. Yes, hearing the voice of God is all about obedience, right? In fact, the Hebrew word for listen in the Old Testament is a word shema, and it has a double meaning like a hinge, and it means to listen with undivided attention to what is being said, always refer to someone of higher authority speaking, and the other half of the meaning is to obey what was said. So for the ancient Hebrew, listening was not a passive word. It was actually an action word. Listening was never hearing. To actually listen for the ancient Hebrew was to obey. It was to obey what was being said. That's why throughout scripture, over and over again, it's going to say, he who has ears, let him hear. As in, don't just hear the word of God, obey the word of God. You have to shema in response to the word of God. It is all about obedience. And the great news is, God's actually lovingly and mercifully made it possible for us to obey his voice. Right, I'm going to show us this tonight. Remember Saul, as soon as he started his ministry, what happened? The spirit of God came right upon him, right? And he started moving in the will of God. And in the same way, God has made obedience possible for us by giving us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word of God, and He's given us a conscience, right? We'll start with the conscience, because everyone has one of those, all right? You know that's a human thing, not a Christian thing, okay? Whether you're saved or unsaved, everyone actually has a conscience, 
all right? The settings of your conscience are determined by who raised you, right? Who, who, what you've been taught, who influences you. So we mustn't get confused. Your conscience is not the voice of God, right? It's not the voice of God, but it's handy, all right? It's what we use to figure out, you know, what is right and wrong. But the problem is because of the settings of your conscience, who raised you, what you've been taught, you could, your conscience could tell you that something is right even though the Bible says it's wrong, right? Conversely, your conscience could tell you that something is wrong even though the Bible says it's permissible. So we can't trust in our conscience alone. It's good. We can't trust in it alone. But, but the Bible promises in John 16 verse 13, what does it say? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. Amazing. In a church that has, in a church, in a world that has gone crazy and has so many untruths or half-truths, the spirit of God will come and guide us into all truth. Who knows that truth is not subjective? Truth is not fluid. Truth is fixed. So thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. His job is to guide our conscience into truth, right? Is that okay? So when we get saved, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and he grabs a hold of our conscience and he begins to sanctify it. He begins to pull it into alignment with our calling. He begins to pull it into alignment with the will and the word of God. So now the Holy Spirit is going to come and direct and guide and shepherd us in order to discern between what is good and evil, right and wrong. And that's going to result in obedience or disobedience. Are you with me? And when we obey the voice of God, as Saul did at first, what the Holy Spirit will do is affirm it in our conscience, right? And when we disobey, the Holy Spirit's going to create friction or discomfort, right? We've got a name for that. It's called conviction. Who loves to be convicted? <laughs> Makes us uncomfortable. We don't like it. But if we were comfortable, we'd never move, right? And so, and so if you hear anything else tonight, please hear this. Conviction is a gift. Conviction is the Holy Spirit. It is the voice of God speaking to you. Do you know it's actually the mercy of God that we get to feel convicted? It's His kindness upon us that we get to feel convicted about stuff. In fact, if you're not feeling convicted about things, then you're not hearing the voice of God. You are, you are not experiencing the voice of God. You've tuned out if you don't feel conviction. So can we thank him for his conviction tonight? Hallelujah. Man, I've come so close to doing so many stupid things. Thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've tried to force blessing like Saul. Right? I'm super impatient as a person. I don't know if you pick up on that, but I, <laughs> Ron's like, amen, yes, you are. All right. <laughs> I'm grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But here's what can happen, and I believe this is what happened to King Saul. The more you disobey God's voice, the less you are going to feel that friction from the Holy Spirit. Yes, once we start disobeying His voice, it actually becomes easier to keep doing it. Have you ever noticed that? Like sin is super uncomfortable at first, but then if you keep doing it, it just kind of hurts less. It just kind of gets easier to sin, Right? Right? We, we know it's like a sharp point that gets worn down from too much friction. And so eventually, if we continue down the road of disobedience, um, our conscience can disobey God's voice and word with no friction whatsoever. It just becomes comfortable to disobey. 
we don't want that, <laughs> okay? Because before long, we won't feel anything at all. And that's how people end up in total rebellion like King Saul. That, that's how it happens. That's how it happens, okay? So, you know, because we're like, what happened to you, Saul? You used to be cool, man. You used to prophesy. You, you, God gave you a new heart. What happened to you? That's what happened to him, right? <laughs> it's just that, okay? Because the disobedience we read about with King Saul just then, it, it becomes a cycle in his life. And we don't have time to read his narrative tonight, but he just keeps disobeying until eventually Samuel the prophet dies and then the Holy Spirit departs from him. Okay, so he loses the internal and the external voice of God, okay? And he's gotten so far down the road of disobedience that God is silent to him now. Okay, there's a signal Saul's got no reception. And what he does, I think, is kind of funny. I shouldn't, but I do. He gets so desperate for direction since he can't hear God anymore. He goes to a witch and has a seance. Have you ever read 1 Samuel 28? You're like, what are you doing? Like, he can't hear from God. And so he just has a little seance. Why not dabble in the occult? Like, great idea, Saul, okay? And we're like, we scoff at him, but people do the same thing, okay? You may not have had a seance tonight. <laughs> if you are, you're in the right place. Welcome. <laughs> you, you will get saved. But, but people do the same thing. When we can't hear the voice of God, we find illegitimate ways to get guidance and direction in our life. Okay? Humanity abandons the word of God for the universe, for horoscopes, for I literally know people who charge their crystals at full moon. Okay? If I hear Mercury's in retrograde one more time, I swear. But... <laughs> Sorry, that's personal experience, Byron, new age mecca of the, anyway. Anyway, yeah, I know you don't, you don't relate to that at all, but seriously, it is my everyday, okay? Mercury is not in retrograde, okay? You just had a bad day, okay? But Christians do this too, okay? And we might do it in less obvious ways, but we, we will struggle to get a readout from God, so we'll listen to gossip or unwise friends, right? We'll listen to people who, who tell us what we want to hear rather than go after the truth, Okay, go after the real truth, which is not fluid. Okay, it doesn't change. It exists. Or we tune in to people's loud opinions on the infallible word of Facebook, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And we tune into those voices because we struggle to hear God's. We're not patient enough to wait for it, even though it's been promised. So what do we do if we're struggling to hear from God? Well, because my conscience is being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, which means it's not perfect yet. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not a perfect person, right? I don't always get the perfect readout. My spiritual ears aren't perfect, okay? Sometimes a little bit of earwax builds up, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank God for the closed canon of Scripture. Thank God for the word, okay? His biblical word is the boundary into which his specific, personal, unique word for us will always fall. He will never say anything that contradicts the book. Can you say amen? Amen. Therefore, if we want to interpret God's voice, we have to be biblically literate people. We have to understand the Word of God. It's not an option for us, right? We have to understand the language that God speaks, right? I don't tune into Spanish radio because I don't speak Spanish, right? I will not understand what is being said. If you want to tune in to the channel and hear God's voice, you have to speak the language. You've got to know the Bible, yes? Yes. So this is good news because if you're struggling to hear His voice tonight, I want to encourage you 
read his voice and respond in obedience that way. Is that okay? Because that never changes. That really is infallible. And you'll find that as you keep moving in obedience to the Word of God, that signal is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, yeah? Because that's just what happens. Disobedience might beget more disobedience, but I tell you what, obedience begets obedience begets obedience, and we just keep finding it easier to obey. It works that way as well. To echo Samuel's words to Saul when that terrible thing happened that we read about in chapter 13. He says this two chapters later. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, he says, To obey is better than sacrifice. Like you miss the whole point, Saul. You miss the point of your position of influence, your royal calling. It was never about works. It was always about obedience. Everything we do is about obedience to the voice of God. If you want to be influential, for the kingdom of God. If you want to fulfill the calling of God on your life, it's not about your works, it's about your obedience. Right? And so as we wrap up this narrative of Saul, obviously when God's spirit departs from him, everything goes downhill, as it would. All right? And God does indeed rip the kingdom away from him, gives it to guess who? King David, who would obey God. That's why David got the kingdom. If only Saul listened to the voice of the prophet, And the reason I used Saul's narrative tonight and not David's, because it's very interesting. At the exact time God finally lets Israel have a king, right? He establishes the office of the prophets. Did you know that? Yes, all the books, all the prophetic books in your Bible are from the time of the kings onwards. There were prophets before then, but the office of the prophet and the assignments of the prophet began with the kings. Because if you are going to have a role like a king, if you are going to, wherever there is authority, wherever there is influence, wherever there is leadership, come on, wherever there is a mandate over a person or a nation, the need to hear God's voice becomes all the more crucial, yes? Come on, if, if the king was going to have someone, if the king was going to rule over Israel and have such a significant role in shaping that nation, they better be hearing from God, yes? Come on, come on. Don't be deceived by the media. Don't be deceived by what you read on Facebook or Instagram or what political parties might say. The church of Jesus Christ has authority, right? This is what I'm trying to say tonight. Our leadership, we have authority in this nation. We have influence in this nation. Come on, church. We we have a godly and royal mandate in this nation. We have, the church, a significant role in shaping what this country looks like. And so we better be hearing the voice of God. Amen. We better be tuning in to the strategy and the dream of God. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> we got to tune in to the voice and the will and the strategy of God. It's never been more crucial for us in days such as these. Hope we get this tonight. See, the prophets, like Samuel, all the prophets in the Old Testament, you know what they were trying to do and what their role was? It was to pull the nation of Israel into their calling. They were trying to be what the Holy Spirit is. They were trying to pull them in and align them with the will of God, right? And into their calling. You know what their calling was, Israel? It says it over and over again in the Old Testament, to be a light 
to the nations, to be a light to the nations. And tragically, they never fulfill that calling. They never fulfill it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we can do what Saul and the nation of Israel could never do. We hear from the same God, right? But there is something radically different between the way God's voice worked in the Old Testament and how it works for New Testament believers. Same God, different covenant, right? In the Old Covenant, God spoke exclusively through the voice of the prophets. That's how His voice worked. You understand? Occasionally audibly, but people wanted to die when He spoke audibly. So He didn't do that very often, okay? So you just, just through the prophets, always external, always spoke externally. But in this new covenant, so good, God has done something that He has never done before in the history of humanity. Once again, He has assigned and appointed a prophet of God in your life, right? But this prophet, this prophetic voice who is sent to guide and shepherd and lead you, right? And all your decisions into your calling and into the will of God. It's not going to be an external voice like it was with Samuel, right? Okay, this person cannot die like Samuel died. He can't leave us, all right? Do you know who it is? We don't need to raise him back from the dead like King Saul tried to do with Prophet Samuel with his little witchcraft, okay? The Spirit of Christ has become the everlasting prophet of God in our lives. Amen. This is good news because it means for every Christian believer who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 3.17. Can I get on the screens, please? It says this. It says that He has made His home in our hearts. Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Home, He is permanently residing in your heart. Do you know why that is good news? Do you know why that is gospel? It means that you cannot lose the voice of God, friends. You cannot lose it. Once you receive the Spirit of the living God, there is nothing you can do or anybody else can do to take it away from you. Do you believe that tonight? No one can remove Him from your life. So you can either tune in or you can tune out, but the signal is always there because the signal lives in you. Amen? We can always hear His voice. We don't have to be particularly gifted or clever or fashionable. That's good news for me. Or good looking, right? We're just going to be obedient. And if you do that, church, if you do that, if you be obedient to His voice, He's going to give you authority. He's going to give you influence. He's going to give you a mandate. He is going to give you a role in shaping the community and the world around you. It's about obedience. Amen. This is the best news because anyone, within these four walls tonight has the capacity to be obedient if you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Come on, there's no limits on you in this place. And then why don't you stand tonight? I sense this message is not just for the individual believer, but I really felt like it was for the church corporately, right? Because like I said, the winds are changing. And I don't know about you, But regardless of what we see in the news, what legislation might take place, or I'm not afraid of the unknown. I'm not afraid of the new terrain. I'm not afraid 
of the unfamiliar. I'm not going to react to what I see on the media. I'm not going to react in fear or insecurity because Christ has made it clear that the church will be a light to the nations. Amen. We will fulfill our calling, our covenant calling, because the prophet of God lives in us and he's going to make sure we fulfill that calling. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.